Welcome to another Blue Jay Beat Wrap-Up Show featuring WhiteAndBlueReview.com's Matt DeMoranis. Happy Easter, everyone. This is uh, Matt DeMoranis from White and Blue Review. I'm um, sitting in the TD Ranch Park press box after Creighton finishes off a weekend sweep of Evansville. I'm joined by the newest member of WhiteAndBlueReview.com, Alex Sindelar. Alex, welcome to the team. Thanks. How does it's, it feel to be on a as part of the Blue Jay beat here, covering a baseball team that obviously you cover a lot of, but this is your bread and butter, it's your favorite sport. Does it feel like are you comfortable kind of getting your your feet wet at White and Blue Review in your in your favorite sport? Does it feel like an easy transition for you? Yeah, um, you know, I'd, I'd say I'd say it is. I mean, I'm I'm just here to give it 110 percent. Um, you know, really work it out, and I I feel like, you know, perhaps there were some sites that I was writing for that didn't quite appreciate my my love of, of bunting, and so coming over to White and Blue Review, you know, immediately you know talking to Tom and and talking to some of the other guys, they they really embraced the bunting and um, that, that that kind of mindset. So, you know, I feel appreciated here. I feel like I'm welcome. Um, you know, it feels like a family atmosphere, um, even though. I've only met two people from my blue review, but I mean already it just it just feels like this is the right fit, you know. Yeah, it gives you a creative outlet to be you and cover baseball and cover yeah. the Jays, cover the College World Series, all that sort of thing. Like that's pretty exciting, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty good stuff. But I think it's mainly you know, you 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 said it, you hit the nail on the head. You know, they're allowing me to be me, and um, you know, allowing allowing me to. To be the unique snowflake that I am, so. Are you a snowflake? I'm the most unique snowflake. If you were to draw yourself as a snowflake, how would it look? If I was, excuse me? If you were to draw yourself as a snowflake, how would it look? Okay, so. Because every snowflake's different, right? Isn't that the whole right. idea? Yeah. So, um, you remember when you were in elementary school and you'd, you'd put your hand on a piece of paper and you trace it and be a turkey? Okay. So, if you do that, except you put your two hands, you know, put one hand on top of the other, that's how my snowflake would look. Really? Yeah. And so if you trace both of the hands, then it creates um, some sort of antler-like sub uh, drawing. And certainly, uh, you know, with that, you know, no one has the same hand size as me. Um, I really? have a very unique hand size. I have to get Do gloves you? tailor-made. Do you? <laughs> um, yeah, I little, never knew that about you. Yeah. Sorry. That's a little. Little personal yeah, that's information. personal information. Yeah, first you, podcast. There. Yeah, you're you're only gonna hear this kind of stuff on on white and blue reviews, you know, Blue Jay beats. So here we are. Yeah, but here we are. We, we're doing Blue Jay beats now for every baseball series. We're gonna try to see and and we're I, try to knock them out every weekend series, maybe a Nebraska game here and there in the midweek. But right, um, I thought Alex would be the perfect guy for this because no one spends more time around the baseball team than him. That's just a fact of the matter. Um, he does a great job covering this team. And he knows more about him than anybody that's not on the team. So um, he's going to be a great source. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy his content on White and Blue Review. And hopefully you enjoy um, these podcasts that we'll be bringing you here. This will be the first one. So um, we'll get started, I guess, uh, with um, you know Creighton played three games this weekend. That's a rarity um, in the Midwest with the way the weather changes by the minute. Is that fair to say? I'd say so. I mean, this is the first Sunday game they've played in like, what, it seems like three weeks. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. They, they can't finish series because Mother Nature just rears its ugly head. So. so, yeah, it was a little cold on Easter Sunday, but they did knock this one out. And uh, it was an ugly one, but we'll get started with the Friday performance. Um, a little bit more normal of a Friday night game at TD Mercury Park. Low-scoring game, well-pitched, well-played defensively. Um, Creighton won two to one on Friday. Got great stuff out of Ryan Tappany again. Uh, seven and two thirds. Only gave up two hits, one walk, struck out five, gave up a run. Um, I guess what are your, your initial impressions of that Friday night game, and more specifically the performance that uh, Creighton got out of Tappany, who seems to be um, really, really solidified himself as that Friday night ace. Yeah, um, you know, talking to Ryan, you know, it's it's clear that he he worked on some stuff, he retooled some stuff in the off season. Uh, one thing that he, he kind of mentioned to me is the fact that he retooled his two seam fastball, and if you watch any of the game on Friday, you can see that it had a lot of bite to it, um, a lot more so than it did last year. I think it came out kind of flat last year, and so he was telling me just kind of the mechanics that he changed with that, 
And I think that's really helped him. I mean, yeah, I think that's, that's nasty. Well, that's become the strikeout pitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a two-seam fastball to be your strikeout pitch and for him to, to throw it for strikes as he does. And on, Friday, and on Friday, they were getting the outer half of the play a little bit more, too, so he was able to play with that a lot. Exactly. Um, especially just the deception that it has because it kind of backs up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it seems like, especially if he gets that ball in the black and it's able to back up just a little bit to get into the zone. And like you said... Because coming out of his hand as a right-hander? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Um, I mean, it's such a, a useful tool for for him to, to have it at, at his disposal. And so, you know, it's just been so surprising just the, the growth that we've seen from Tapani so far this season. And I, I think you have to credit you know, Eric Wordcamper for, you know, working with him all last year. He never gave up on him, mm-hmm. even after, you know, a disastrous <coughs> start in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um you know, last year, and that was kind of the first time that Blue Jay fans were able to see Tapani for, for all that he had to offer. And the fact that he's come back from that, and he's he's really excelled uh, this season. So I think it's just the addition of that two seam fastball, and that's kind of become his punch out pitch. And he didn't quite have it last year, and I think that's that's why he's been so dominant this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of the cooler stories of the season, really. Um, Maybe not, you know, across college baseball, but because I'm sure there are a lot of stories like that, but certainly in the Creighton dugout. Because I just think, you know, from a pitching standpoint, that was a huge question mark coming into the season. I think we had a pretty good feel of their talent level offensively, and we figured they were able, they were going to be able to put some crooked numbers on the board. It was just a matter of could they find enough outs um, to make sure that it didn't all go to waste on a given day. Um, and certainly on Friday when you're facing everybody's best pitching, I guess, um, that was going to be an uphill battle replacing Raleigh Lacey there, who, you know, held down that Friday spot for so long and did so well there. Um, but Tappanee has been lights out. And, I mean, it's really interesting to hear, um, you know, his approach to things, how he's adjusted from going from a hardly used bullpen. It's not like he was a bullpen guy who, you know, got a bunch of midweek reps and um, you kind of saw had, like, you know, where, where you see a lot of these uh, power conference teams um, start out having guys, like, pitch in short relief or pitch some, you know, some extended, like, maybe fifth inning to eighth inning bridge into, you know, the back end of the bullpen type of guys. And you see they have a lot of good stuff and that they're going to factor into rotation one day. Like, that classic story, this is not the classic story. He was hardly used last year in relief. Um, there wasn't much to go off of in terms of his results. So for him to come around and hit the ground running and, you know, be the Friday night guy that he has been, <clears throat> I mean, I think he's 5-0, and his ERA is 1.43, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he's just been absolutely dominant um, for a Creighton team that's really gotten off to a pretty good start so far, especially compared to last year when they started the season 1-11. and um, You know, here they are 16-6 and right now, and, you know, tapping he's 5-0 and on his own, so he's been a huge part of their success, and um, I think it's one of the cooler stories, just seeing how consistent he's been uh, weekend to weekend and helping the Jays get off to good starts in some of these weekend series. Yeah, I mean, considering that Taffney went to a liberal arts school for, you know, a, a, what, two seasons, a season, you know, and the fact that he, he came out of that, and I mean, he, he pitched. Yeah, he's a senior. Is he a senior this year? Yeah, he's a senior this year. That's crazy, man. This is like yeah. whole career, and then he pretty much just had a breakout. How many times did you see a breakout senior season from guys, you know what I mean? Right. But, I mean, he pitched relatively well at St. Olaf. I mean, he had a 1.12 ERA, but the competition is way lesser. Sure. And so for him to, to kind of continue that momentum, granted, I think last year was just more of a billing year for him. It was more of a, you know, get to know D1 baseball, get to know the, the coaching staff and how they do things differently. And then to kind of transition from that into this season where he's kind of replicating that same success that he he had uh, when he was playing uh, up in Minnesota. So, I mean, it's, it's shocking, but the thing that's been most surprising to me as far as the pitching staff has been the back end of the bullpen. I mean, they had to replace Ethan DeCaster and Dave Gerber. <coughs> Ethan DeCaster, who's having an incredible season at Duke, by the way. As I a think. grad, grad yeah, transfer? Grad transfer, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been lights out for the Blue Devils. I think, uh, I think last I checked, he hasn't allowed a run in 21 innings, maybe, and mm-hmm. he has 26 strikeouts and two walks. I mean, he's been he's been crazy good jumping up to the ACC level. So, yeah, Creighton was replacing a, a big time a big time performer in the back end of the bullpen, and certainly Dave Gerber, who was the greatest closer they've ever had. So, um, 
in terms of statistics, I guess you could probably argue talent-wise. I guess maybe his stuff wasn't overpowering, but he was just so deceptive. he was just a, yeah he was an incredibly deceptive as hard a worker as they've ever had in the program, um, and historically the best closer they've ever had. So yeah, that's that was you're right. That was a big hole that they had um, in the back end. Yeah, and how they were going to finish out some of these games. Well, and I mean that's kind of the thing that's most surprising is that they haven't lost a Friday night game. I mean, yeah. all season. Right. You know, and that's, I mean, it, it, for Tefney to do what he's doing is, you know, it's surprising enough, and it's, I mean, it's nice for the Jays, but the fact that he's able to hand it off to a bullpen that was completely untested, you know, that there were a lot of new, brand new pieces that hadn't worked with, the, you know, the pitching staff before, mm-hmm. the uh, coaching staff before, and, you know, for them to come in and, and to close out these games that, that Tef gets them to. You know, to get them to the point in the sixth or seventh or the eighth inning where they can come in and they can actually shut it down. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I think that's been the most surprising thing. And I think, you know, you look at a guy like Jonas Smith who got the save on Friday night, and, you know, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a brand new face to the program, and, and no one really knew what he had that was capable of. And, honestly, Bobby Comedis, he was supposed to have that closing role. Yeah, he did for a while. He did. He did in the first what three weeks of the season. Yeah, and then he got he got mono. Mm-hmm. So he's been sick. He's lost weight. So, you know, they have to get him you know back to healthy and then back in the weight room. And so in order, in, I mean, to lose a piece like Bobby and then to replace it. Yeah, you know, just um, you finally you, fi- you found a piece and then you got to replace the piece you found. Yeah, yeah, it's kind again. Of, it's been crazy. So yeah. technically, they've lost three back in bullpen guys. You know, since last year, and then the first, you know, last two weeks since mm-hmm. he's got, uh, since he's got sick. So for them to kind of rebound after that, as well as they have, and <coughs> utilize jo- Jonah Smith, and then Mitch Boyer has been just phenomenal. Um, it kind of bridging that gap between Tappany, between the starter, and getting it to Jonah Smith mm-hmm. or whoever is closing that day. So right. I mean, that was that was huge on Friday night, especially because for Boyer to come in. Uh, after, yeah, tap. I mean, it kind of feels like Jonas Smith is the thirds. guy now, don't you think? Like, I mean, yeah, and you know, because well, we can fast forward. I guess we can. I mean, he finished out all three games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he finished out the Nebraska one too. Right. He seems like the guy that Ed seems to be trusting to replace, in the short term, while Comedius gets himself together, because um, he seems like the guy that's been able to produce. And and once you find a guy that can produce, you don't really want to mess with that, do you? No, you don't. Um, and, I mean, why would you? Uh, Bobby's going to take a long time, I think, to come back. He's lost a lot of weight. Right. And you can't really just, you know, go a week and say... Start experimenting. Yeah, yeah. start yeah, experimenting. Exactly. You know, get your arm more again, and, you know, you can't. It, he's, he's either going to hurt himself or, you know, he's going to be not as effective. So mm-hmm. there's kind of that weight that they have, to, they have to go through in order to get Bobby back, but... <coughs> I asked Ed on Friday night, I'm like, is, is Jonah Smith your guy now with Bobby out? Is Jonah Smith the guy? And he's like, yeah, he is. Because every time we put him in there to, to get out, so he gets him. Yep. And that's all they need. That's all they needed him to do. That's and, the name of the game at the end of the game. They don't really care how they happen. Right. You just got to get him. But it's just, <coughs> you know, it's, <coughs> it's kind of funny because, you know, they asked Mitch Boyer in the, in the offseason in fall camp, um, you know, if he would change his arm slot. Mm-hmm. And it's, it down. it's interesting. It's not quite as low as Gerber's arm slot was, but it's still, I think it's a little bit lower than a three-quarter, you know. Uh, so it's not quite underhand, but it's, it's, it's close. And he does jump off the rubber, too, just like, just like Dave did. So yeah. yeah, so, I mean, they, they basically took the Dave Gerber model, they placed it on Mitch Boyer, and he's been electric this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, just bridging that gap. So if, if that can, you know, if they can sustain that success... Especially what what we saw on Friday night, you know, in a, in a two to one ball game, for them to 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 bridge it to to close it out to get the hold and get the save, I mean, that was that was a good win on Friday night for them. Absolutely, uh, game two was not pretty. Um, no. Jays came out really flat. Evansville looked like the better team from about the middle inning on, um, and they started to put some runs together. Not with, you know, really any big hits, but big plays. They. I think one inning they put together three straight bunts and got a couple runs out of the deal because um, Creighton was having a heck of a time fielding the thing, communicating, uh, holding on to the ball, making the throws, that sort of thing. It was just kind of a mess, um, and Creighton wasn't helping themselves out. But uh, they were able to rally in the ninth inning, and somehow they found their spark. They got a couple guys on via the walk. Um, 
got a little bit of good luck when Isaac Collins ripped one off of the uh, pitcher's off the yeah off the Evansville reliever's ankle. I think what Ryan Brady and then um, that scored a run. It kept the bases loaded and and uh, then Michael Lamotti came up and did his uh, usual heroics, <laughs> launching one into the into the afternoon sky that dropped uh, just in front of the wall. For some reason, Evansville was playing really shallow, normal depth, um, with one of the biggest power hitters um, they'll ever see at the dish. Um, he was able to clear the bases and watch from second base as, as the winning run came across home plate for a walk-off 5-4 win. So um, it was a very interesting day because I don't think Creighton played well, and I think maybe if I throw that into the category, they didn't deserve to win based on how they played. But, I mean, there's something to be said for finding a way to win games that you don't deserve to win, right? I mean, what did you think about um, if you're able to grade the entire performance, not just necessarily the end result? You know, I, th- I think the the pitching did just enough, so I'd, I'd probably give the pitching probably a B. Okay. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't quite their fault that you know Tommy Lovato booted a you know a bunt foul, you know into foul ground, and, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't you know the pitching's fault that Will Robertson watched a a lazy fly ball land in front of him and then roll on you know between his legs. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the pitching was they did what they needed to do. Denson Holes in, in in his first start as a Blue Jay, mm-hmm. you know, he went out there and and he pitched four and what four and a third. Yep. Uh, I mean, he tossed you know fifty three pitches and. I mean, he was effective. He he was there's a little bit of control issues that he had. He couldn't quite work his off speed stuff. Right. But I think the yeah, pitch, he was very fastball heavy. But I mean, for a guy that's starting the first <coughs> ball game, who's pitched you know a handful of innings before that, you know, just in a relief, you know, for him to go out and, and come out and do what he did, I think was was a good sign. Um, but overall, grading the pitching on Saturday, yeah, I'd say a B. But the offense for eight innings was atrocious. I mean, it was, it was like a D. The, but they were not, it wasn't just like bad results. It was bad at-bats, bad approaches. It was all, yeah, I mean, the, yeah. the, the at-bats were horrendous because they, they started swinging so early. And I, I get that maybe they wanted to be a little bit more aggressive because... So you're, you thought they wanted to be patient, but then since Evansville was getting strike one so much, they immediately abandoned patience to swing at the very next one and put themselves in bigger holes. Is that how you felt? Yeah, exactly. Because they, they'd get the, the first pitch strike and they'd watch it. Mm-hmm. And then whatever came next, they were wailing, they're, they're flailing at the ball. Mm-hmm. And so, the, I mean, the, the plate appearances they put together were just, I mean, it seemed so unbalanced. And it didn't seem like the Creighton that we've seen all year, yeah. where they've been patient, they work counts a little bit. You know, they, they work. Eight nine pitches out of the pitcher. They make, least, you, they make you get them out as opposed to the other way around. Correct. Yeah, and that that just wasn't happening on Saturday until the ninth until inning. Until the ninth inning, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden they're drawing walks. And so I guess what did you see? Yeah, yeah what did you see on the ninth inning that looked so different from the first? I mean, they, obviously they were into Evansville's bullpen, so that helped because Evansville doesn't have a very good bullpen. But I mean, it wasn't just Evansville pitchers giving the game away. I mean, Creighton kind of. Well, I mean, took it from them. The approach looked a lot different. Yeah, the two main things that looked way different was, you know, the fact that Ryan Mantle pitch hit yep. for Jason Albury and drew a walk to lead off the ninth. Yep. And then Evan Spride, he pinch hits for Blake White Cotton. He draws a walk. Two at bats all year, and he draws a walk with a true with freshman. Two outs, yeah. A true freshman. Yeah. Going up to the plate with an out in the bottom of the ninth. Mm-hmm. You know, in a a three run ball game. Right. It's like <laughs> as high leverage a situation as you'll be thrust huge. into. Yeah, and then he gets put into it, you know, against an Evansville team that, granted, their bullpen wasn't that good. They weren't throwing a lot of strikes, but they were, I mean, up until that point, all these, the entire offense, they were swinging at those pitches. Right. They were out of the zone. Right. So for, for Ed to be like, hey, this, this guy, I have confidence in this freshman to go up there and put together good at bat, and he did. Um, so, I mean, just the patience. I mean, it was paramount. It, it was almost. It almost felt like they were they were doing it on purpose. It was that kind of flipped the script, right? Because yeah, all of a sudden, what looked like eight innings of just of impatience on Creighton's part at the plate in the ninth inning that turned around, and immediately as soon as they got a couple guys aboard and started working counts more, the pressure all switched to Evansville on the mound. Yeah, because he looked like Creighton was winning the battle of like we just like we just mentioned. They're gonna make us get them out, and we don't really know how. You know what I mean? They struggled to do that. Right. And I think there was, 
I mean, like Clark Brinkman in that ninth inning, you know, he's got he's got one out and he he gets up to the plate. He <coughs> just watched Evans Fry walk or work a walk, so he's got bases loaded mm-hmm. and he's up there. And his his plate, you know, his, his approach at the plate was, you know, watch the first strike, foul off, he fell off the second strike, and then he watched the third one mm-hmm. go by. Mm-hmm. And so that was it. It was it was almost like. That's exactly what we saw in the eight innings previous. Yes. But except that was pretty much the entire lineup. Also, the, the, also the first thing. two games from him, and he's the leadoff guy. So he, he went zero for what zero for seven with four strikeouts the first two games Friday and Saturday. Yeah, that sounds right. It's not great out of your table center. No, I mean when you're talking about like a guy who sets the tone, who gets everything started, who's been great all year, um, for him to struggle, it kind of it trickled down into the rest of the lineup. Really, it did. And I mean that's so unlike. Clark, though, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the guy who at the beginning of the series he was hitting well over four hundred. Yep. And you know, at the end of the series, I, I haven't seen the stat sheet now, but <laughs> I think he's hitting uh, three seventy. Three seventy. But he had a good day on Sunday. We'll get to that in a second. But yeah, yeah um, um, the end of the, the so he struggled quite a bit against mm-hmm. that eventual pitching, and I think that was because he was putting together plate appearances where he would he would just wail at shit, and it didn't work out. And eventually he would just watch the strikes go by because I, th- I think he got a little flustered. Yeah, no question. So the fact that he, he looked frustrated coming away from the plate after he would like, yeah, either he was struck out looking or swinging at something that was out of the zone and get himself out. It looked like he was visibly frustrated at the type of bass he was putting together. Right, exactly. Which at that point snowballs on a baseball player because if he looks visibly frustrated, yeah, exactly. A guy who's had sustained success. Yep. And then all of a sudden it's gone, yep. and he's striking out. He's watching balls go by that he hasn't which, done all which year. This game does to you, like the game, it kind of has a way of like humbling you over stretches of period when you think you've got everything figured out, um, one lapse in focus, or right. you know, one approach where you don't really go to the plate with a plan, um, can kind of snowball into a, a bigger stretch of, and then and then you're just in your own head at that point. And so I mean, you already mentioned this, but then Isaac Collins, who also didn't, he didn't have a great day at the plate mm-hmm. either. Um, he's able to go up there. He's, he puts together a great at bat, and then he, he you like you like Isaac too. You think he's got that innate ability to he works, to battle he with the battle yeah. even when he gets behind in the count and everything. He does, and I mean you saw that in the Wichita. I mean I, it it was apparent to me that this is something that he's good at because in the Wichita State series, um, in that that one game that Moody had the walk off home run, I think it was the Friday night game. Um, in ninth inning, he works a walk. I mean, and again, that was another night where they weren't putting together great uh, plate appearances, but he managed that to to work a walk, get on base, and then Modi was able to, you know, hit it out of the park. And so that's when you kind of realize this guy has it in his DNA. He's got a good eye for the ball. He he has a great approach, and so for him, and the pressure doesn't like the other thing is about pressure, right? Like when you get right. into an O two count. You can get yourself out if you feel like a little antsy about making contact or exactly you know, making sure you defend the whole strike zone or Where even extend it a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so for him to put together a plate appearance like that and then smoke one up the middle, I mean, he got all of that ball. I don't know what the exit velocity was off of his bat, but oh my god, yeah, <laughs> he, that hits anywhere else part of the foot. Like he probably it probably breaks whatever it hits. Yeah, thing was smoked. I mean, and he would have he would have done it would have been the same result anyways if the pitcher hadn't been there. Yeah, it would have just been a base hit up the, the middle. It would have got on that center fielder quick, mm-hmm. and it would have just you know would have scored one. Probably have scored two. Yeah, if not two. Yeah, yeah. but maybe one because that ball was scorched and mm-hmm. you know for it to hit the pitcher it, it kind of you know and I, I was telling you about this that that game it felt like um, it was almost storybook in a way because Collins hits that ball and it hits off the pitcher's ankle and the pitcher I mean that was the only bullpen arm that Evansville had that actually was worth yeah. a damn and for him to leave the game then after that you know, in he tried. Them, to, he tried to stay, and he tried one more pitch, and then he realized. Yeah, I think he threw two. Oh, did he, he, two? Okay. he threw two in front of the mound, and yeah. he, like he, and it was really weird because he like hobbled off. Yeah. The field, like no one like helped him or anything. No. Like he couldn't put he any very, weight. He was he very frustrated. Put, yeah. He couldn't put any weight on the foot, and and everyone's like looking at him like, well, yeah, you know, come on, get off the field. <laughs> Let's give it to Jimmy Ward, Jimmy fucking Ward. Right. And Jimmy Ward hangs the first one, hangs the first breaking ball to Michael Amodi. Mm-hmm. You know, and he got as many warm up pitches as he could possibly get. Yeah. It, was, it was funny talking to Ed because Ed was like. You know, this is a bad matchup from from the get go. When he saw that kid come out of the bullpen, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because he's like you can tell he has no confidence whatsoever. Like this is, a, I think that situation Ed's, is a massive situation I, to jump into. I think it's a, the moment was way too big for him. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. no and you could tell. I mean, so he got as many. He needed, he needed. He needed Modi to find a glove. Like correct. Otherwise, it was otherwise it was going to be bad news. Yeah, because my no matter what was happening, my Modi was going to make contact with whatever was coming at him. So. It was all about if it would find a glove or not. That it, was the bottom line. Yeah, and I mean, Jay's fans have probably already seen, they probably watched the replay of it, but he, the pitcher, Jimmy Ward, he, on a 0-1 count, after Emoti fouls one off, throws this slider. And if you watch the replay, yeah. there was zero break to it. There it was, was no bite so at all. flat. Well, we, used, we, used to call those, we used to call those spinners back in... Back in uh, Wreck ball, uh-huh. like he, like the guy would always think he's got a little nice curve ball, and then he just flips it to you, and it's like all it does is spin, and you're like, "Ting." Yep, like that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> yeah, the thing was just a spinner. Yeah. You're like, "There's rotation there, but it's not breaking and gone." Yeah, because like, yeah. it's the side to side rotation, and if you if yeah. you get a barrel on that, it's oh. going. Yeah, and so I mean the thing because you can put a lot of topspin on that thing. Like, yeah, it's already spinning itself. So he hangs this fucking slider and. You do not hang a slider to one of the best hitters that you've faced. And so he did. And Emoti just deposited it. He didn't even get all the barrel on it. No. It looks like he got on top of it a little bit. Yeah. It it looks like it went off the top of the bat. And so he sent that ball, though. Oh, yeah. And... You know, You're watching the Evansville center fielder, and he's like, "Oh no!" He's kind of like he's kind of like zigzagging a little bit. He knows he's got to track a deep one, but you can you could tell right then he wasn't catching up to it because it was way over his head. He was essentially just running desperately to the spot where he thought it was going to drop, and it did. Yeah. Um, to his credit, he found the ball, but it was it was too little, too late. They, uh, Collins scored, I think, without a throw, pretty much. Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It was a really. It was really. Once it landed, it was over. Absolutely, but I mean, the fact that I don't know what they were looking at in the scouting report. I don't know what yeah. Evansville was looking at in the in the dugout, saying, you know, hey, maybe we should play these guys at regular depth. In the outfield, well, you got a two-run you two lead. When you've got you've got a guy at the let him yeah. stand on the warning track and even if the even, wall, even, <laughs> if he, even if he hits it right to you, that's only one run. Like you, you know, or two, yeah, that's yeah, it. that's mm-hmm. it. Like, what are you doing? I don't know why you why you let him have the opportunity to have to get over your head. Like that is the golden rule in that situation, especially with a two-run lead. I understand maybe you want to take a chance if you're. If you're only protecting a one-run lead and you, if yes. anything in front of you, you want to gun it down to home plate and have a chance to do that, I understand that. But like a two-run lead. You have a two-run lead. You have two runs to play with. The second base is what you're worried about. Yes. You know what I mean? Nothing can get over your head, and literally that's what happened three pitches later. Right. And that's not to say that, I mean, there were two outs. Were there two outs with Michael Bonilla? There were yeah. two outs. Oh, there were two doing? outs in the yeah. ninth. You need to camp <laughs> out there. Like, what are you yes. doing? In fact, I don't even know why you have any infielders at that point. Absolutely. Why Put them have, all on the outfield. Yeah, what do you have infielders there for? Two run lead with two outs? And no shit. Yeah. You got a guy who hits tanks? Yeah, have a seven-man yeah. outfield and camp them along the wall. Yeah. Because you just got to gotta find a way to make sure they're running second bases and score. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing. That's the, that's the priority. Absolutely mind-blowing bullshit. Yeah. They, they were able to, to say, hey, yeah. I think it's a play surpri- a bit shallow. <laughs> I mean, they were almost shallow. It, it, I mean, God, it was you know, it was, so, it was so surprising to me too because I didn't even realize they were playing that way until Amodi hit the ball and I and then I saw the center fielder. And I go, oh no, why is he there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he had so far to run to catch that. Because I saw when you see it come off the bat, you're like, that's going a long way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you see where the center fielder is starting his route, and you're like, uh, what were you thinking, Evansville? Like seriously? Yeah, I mean. Com- Complete failure on mm-hmm. their part, um, but yeah, it it won the Jays the game again. Like you said, maybe a game they shouldn't have won. Right? Maybe a game they, they didn't deserve to win. Sure. Because they played. I like think shit. that's. I think that's fair. They didn't play oh, well. Yeah. I mean, to be down four to one going into the ninth inning, that's not a game you feel like is in balance. That's that's actually one that you feel like needs several things to go your way for you to rally in that situation. Yeah. For considering how poorly you've. You know how poor your at bats have been all game long up to that point. There really wasn't. I don't even know if there was much hope that Creighton was going to be able to string more than maybe one or two together to make it think like they could rally, and then it would it would flame out eventually. But you know, one by one, they kept putting guys on base, and and then once Collins got the thing off the foot, it almost seemed like Evans. And then he couldn't stay in the game. Ryan Brady couldn't stay in the game. It was like, yeah, Evansville's in trouble here now. Yeah, because Amodi's up, and they've got a guy who isn't going to get one by him. The bases are loaded. 
and Creighton only needs two to tie it. Um, I think I was surprised they won it on that, but I mean, I thought for sure they were tying the game with the Modis at bat. Yeah, absolutely. At that point, I was and, pretty confident. And then you got Robertson coming up after him. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, who had been swinging the one of the guys who had been swinging the bat really well. Yeah, I mean, because he had he had hit one out earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, about seven rows deep in right center and. Mm-hmm. And so you'd have to think that, I mean, even if Modi just gets a base hit there, even if it falls in front of one of those outfielders, the game's likely going to be over because Jimmy Ward's going to hang another fucking slider and then Robertson's going to deposit it. Yeah. Because Robertson's got, I mean, Modi's got a, a great swing, but Robertson, he hits tanks. Mm-hmm. That's that's the way his swing set up, is set up, and that's the way and he, he would have He would have left-to-righty matchup. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I so love those. Those spinners would have been coming into him. Correct. Which means they would have been going out yes. even faster. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's a big win. I think one of the guys I, I highlighted as a kind of an unsung guy, and you mentioned him already, is Ryan Mantle. Because um, on Friday he had the game tying, the game tying hit in the sixth inning, I think, is when he hit it. Game tying RBI single to left field. Yeah, in the bottom of the sixth to tie the game. Um and then in the ninth inning on Saturday, he drew, draws the leadoff walk to kind of get the rally started in the first place in a pinch hit situation. So um, I think he's a guy that deserves credit for in spot situations. He was able to come up with a couple big at-bats in timely situations uh, when Creighton needed him the most, really. Uh, so I think he deserves some credit for his performances at the plate this weekend, even though he didn't start every game. Um but yeah, Creighton was able to get that 5-4 win, clinch the series, which is important. You obviously want to win the series. That's goal number one before you worry about sweeps. Uh, so that, that moved Creighton to 15-6, and six, and they played on Sunday, Easter Sunday, which is where we're at today. And it was a game that was kind of up in the air because it was really cold out. I think the area dodged the the snow part of it, which was another concern, but there wasn't any precipitation they had to worry about. But the temperatures were, were an issue. And I guess, like... Um, do you think that this game should have been played today? Like, do you feel like the weather was conducive enough for a game to be played um, in the afternoon where it obviously was going to get a little bit warmer as it gone on? Yeah, I think so. Because um, you didn't have really the wind chill factor. And yeah. granted, at the start of the game... Yeah, wind was probably a big deal, wasn't it? Yeah, that, I mean, that was that was huge. And I think it, it sort of said that after the game was that, you know, if, if there had been a wind, like there was a wind yesterday, which was blowing straight out 20 miles an hour throughout the entire afternoon, mm-hmm. you know, if it, if it was that way, they, they likely wouldn't have played. Because, I mean, at that point, you're, you're looking at guys that are standing out in center field, and they might get a little, little cold. Um, yeah. I think the game should have been played, though, because there was no wind. Um, it, and like you said, it was going to get warmer. But at the start of the I mean, game, you can was, see the was, chill on there, like the when you know taking breaths out there. Like you yeah. can see that was the factor. So like it was really cold. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like, and Ed mentioned this, like once the game kind of got going a little bit, it almost seemed like that wasn't as much of a or wasn't as big of a deal as maybe you, you would know, have thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I think Rob Anderson tweeted this out, um, but it was it was the coldest game that's ever been played oh, at nice. TD Ameritrade Park. Yeah. Um, so where were you when the coldest game at TD Ameritrade Park was ever played? Where yeah. was I? Yeah, we have, now you have an answer to that trivia question. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a good part. You're part of trivia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trivia. Um, no, and so I, I, you know, it's baseball, and I really think that there was an attitude with this Creighton team that they wanted to. No question. They wanted to bury these guys. They felt like they were better than Evansville, and that, that yesterday was kind of embarrassing. Yeah, you, that it got to the point where it got to in the ninth inning. Um, yeah. So, they, yeah, well, they came out with a lot more energy today yeah. than they did, either, even Friday and Saturday. Uh, you know, the dugout was chirping from the start. Mm-hmm. You know, it helps. Clark Brinkman had a great at-bat for the first – I mean, their, their at-bats in the first inning were way better than they had all weekend. Brinkman draws the walks to yes. the base immediately on the next pitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they were able to manufacture a run out of that situation. Like, the at-bats looked a lot different. They worked a lot of three-ball counts. Um, that was something that didn't happen very much in the first two days. So I think it was it was clear that Creighton came out with a different in a different gear than they had had the, the rest of the weekend up until probably the ninth inning yesterday. Right, and I think that was, that, that was kind of due to, I don't know how good Evansville starter was today in no. – you know, that's the starter wasn't good yesterday either, and he was able to shut him down. That right. was the thing. Today, though, I think it was, it was a little bit different. <coughs> their, their approach to the plate was 
solely and completely patience and they wait for the hanger. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. And they scored a lot of runs because of it. And they hit a lot of wall walls. Yes, they did. And some deep ones, too. <laughs> Robertson left the yard, like, probably, what, halfway up the bleachers in Section 134 over mutual wall sign? Like, yeah. He hit a deep one. Yeah, he, he, he almost he almost landed, he almost got a second one, but it was just a little bit too low. It cracked off the fence. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, same. I think I bet you the exit velocity was the same. Yeah, as his home run, don't you think? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Launch angles were a little bit different. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Um, but yeah, holy shit! What a night and day difference. And you you kind of heard that a little bit from from the players. You know, just kind of being by the locker room of. You know, you know, they're talking shit all all game. You know, they're, they're Evansville. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I heard someone say that you know, the left fielder for Evansville was talking shit on the players. You know, and the pitchers out in the bullpen. You know, saying this, was, this like, was on Saturday, right? Yeah, this yeah. is on Saturday, and you know, asking like, I thought you guys were good, and you know that kind of thing. And so, you know, that kind of builds frustration when you're not succeeding. You're sure. putting together bad play. To, you know, yeah. Like, There's not much to say back to them when you're when you're down on the scoreboard. Exactly, right? you can't really say much. And then, you know, for the game to get over the way that it did last yeah. night, yeah. and to go into today, yeah, they were, they wanted to step on their throats. And I think that's something that went into wanting to play the game. Yeah, is the fact that. They wanted to make a statement that they were better than they were. Mm-hmm. And today's final was what uh, twelve to seven, but it wasn't. It wasn't that close. No, it wasn't even close. It to probably could have gotten uglier. I think what they were up ten to one, and Thomas Lovano smoked one to the shortstop. Yeah, and they were able to double off of Modi with the bases loaded. That's anywhere else. That's cleared. Yep. So that's like yeah, we're talking like ten to thirteen to one right there at that point. So yeah. Yeah, and then you saw a lot of position players get swapped out. Yeah, it was twelve guys. to one. A lot yeah. of guys got yanked for defensive replacements just to mm-hmm. get you know their days were done. And then then that's when Evansville started putting together rallies. So yeah, and when you had Thomas Lovato out actually out there pitching, oh, pitching, yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's when I mean you know and Lovato he had been rumored to be the closer of this year right. you know, before Bobby Committis and and, and he has two saves on the season. Like I mean his walks have been an issue, but. Right. He has been able to save two games this year, so, I mean, it's yeah. not like the experiment has been a total disaster, but today it was. I mean, and, and God, the fact that you can ask Tommy to do pretty much anything on the field, yeah. he'll, he'll get it done. Sure. I mean, maybe you might want to start focusing on putting him in his one slot, now that you know yeah. you got a little bit more in the bullpen. Well, to work with. I think the Jonah Smith thing that you're talking about, as far as yeah. him emerging as a guy you can kind of trust back there, I don't think you need like like you said you don't need to experiment once you find the guy you know you, you can trust to get outs. Yeah. So so the experimental phases. Are yeah. Right. So you have Boyer, you have Jonah Smith, um, John Zakowski was really good this weekend. He got yeah a, he was yeah you know so mm-hmm. he's Forgot, a guy that's gotten no run and then all of a sudden he gets he yeah. gets some innings this weekend. So he was really good this Bunch weekend. So then once you get Comedas back in the fold, I mean those are four guys that are kind of I mean you know what you have in Comedas already, but then you had three guys that have been pitching pretty well out of the bullpen. You don't really need to experiment with Lovano if that's not working out, you know what I mean? Because you don't want right. to, you don't want to, you don't want to A, cost yourself a game, and B, wreck his confidence in other areas of the game where he's more important. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into that. So, he had a rough outing today, but I don't think it was something that's going to linger with him, but I also don't know if you need to keep going back to that well, um, considering if other guys are going to step up, so... Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think you really need to, to focus on. Oh, Grant Springer. Grant Springer was good yesterday too. Yeah, he that's was. Another guy. Yeah, that's yeah. another guy that we could mention. Well, and the fact that he's he's just left-handed, you know. I mean. Yeah, but you need one of those guys. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is it? I mean, he, and he throws hard. He's a gamer. Yeah. You know, he's um, he's another JUCO kid that you know kind of made his way through that and then made it to, to Creighton. I mean, there's so many JUCO players on this team. It's kind of kind of mm-hmm. cool to see. It's kind of like. Uh, you know, Sam Houston State last year, you know, in the kind of the run they ma- they made at the end. And, you know, was that a Juco heavy squad? I can't remember. It's huge. Really? Yeah. And, you know, I, I just remember there were a lot of players that, you know, they loved the coach because he gave them a shot. He gave really? them a second chance and gave them, you know, when they were overlooked for D1 ball and they were able to go there. And So, you know, I think they got a lot of guys like that. A lot of, I, I hate to use this term in baseball, but a lot of gritty guys in the bullpen okay. that are, that are, Willing and ready and always able. I feel like you need that in baseball, though. Yeah, but I mean to have that depth where it's actual guys that are hungry to get innings sure. and get get outs. Yeah, you know, as opposed to like what Evansville, you know, their dumpster fire of a bullpen or Villanova, for example, their dumpster fire of a bullpen. Mm-hmm. You know, they have terrible arms that come out and they're just like, 
oh shit yeah and they kind of you know, like, sorry they're kind of going <laughs> so, out there sorry guys they're expecting the worst when they get on the mound yeah, right yeah, yeah you yeah. know they have to apologize to their you know their entire defense yeah. especially in the outfield being like my bad guys because mm-hmm. it's I know I know you can't catch balls anyways so <laughs> it's gonna get a little bit harder for you now <laughs> <That's true. laughs> oh my gosh that's good um what do you think about the approach today overall from the entire offense? I mean, let's, uh, I guess it's going to be hard to kind of see because they have a lot of prices, but, um, yeah, Braveman was one for three, walked twice, so he got on base three times, scored twice, drove in a run, Collins got on base three times. Yeah, so he drew two walks, had a hit, scored a run. Um, Amodi went 0 for three, but, I mean, obviously, we know what he's capable of. You don't worry about him. Robertson went two for three. Probably should have had two home runs. Did have two. Did have one. Drew two more walks. Lovano two for four. Mantle two for four. Uh, Jack Strunz had a great weekend. He went three for four today, uh, and also drew a walk. So he he got a base four times. I think he stole two of them. Mm-hmm. Right. He did. Yeah, and then Parker Upton got on base again, um, or he didn't get on base, but he, he drove in a run. Uh, so up and down the lineup today, that that I mean, they really had production from pretty much everyone, eight of the nine spots. Uh, compared to yesterday when they've got production out of what, maybe one or two spots out of the entire lineup? Like, what did you see out of the main difference? Um, was it just like the spark and, you know, from Evansville talking trash and maybe the momentum from rallying in the ninth inning yesterday that kind of carried over today? Or was there something different you think that can be carried over beyond just um, an emotional boost? I, I think it's a, it's a little bit of a mix of, of just the... Uh, the aggressiveness of making sure they came out today, and you know the fact that they were Evansville was talking shit, and they've won six games, and it's like, man, you can't come into this ballpark talk shit yeah. with six wins yeah. on the season. You can't talk trash when you're bad. Yeah, yeah. you really, you really. So you can't. didn't think that was a big factor then? It's I like, thought that was that was huge. Okay. Um, I, that might not, I, I think it's that, that might not carry yourself forward. You know what I mean? Like that's well, what I'm saying. I think it's fifty-fifty because I think. I I'm, I don't know how much scouting they were able to do on this this Evansville pitcher, but they had him down to a T. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as all their their plate appearances, it was like you've already you've already got his three zero. Like, yeah. how many three zero counts did that guy have? I think I think you said it was like seven he in had, the first four innings. In he, the four innings, that he, he had overall that he pitched two pitched two and a third, and he had five three ball counts in two and a third innings. That's insane. It's a lot. So it's I mean, clearly all you had to do was be patient, and he's going to hang one. And yep. They took advantage of that. They took advantage of that more so today. And I think at a certain point, Evansville was like, and I don't think they wanted to play this game to begin with, honestly. Because yeah. if you're Evansville. It seemed like that. Yeah. Because yeah. you almost got away with like, you know. Kind Split of, the series. Right. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, they were they were close to it. It was, yeah. you know, it, it was. Because they probably knew, the they, they knew Sunday was going to be up in the air before the series started. Right. And then they were essentially one out of the way from splitting the first two. And walking out of here with, uh, hey, we, we split at Creighton. So, yeah, one of those things. Probably made them talk a little bit more yesterday, but today they didn't seem like they were engaged. Yeah, today it seemed like they were tired or lethargic. They didn't want to be here mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame them. Um, and so, you know, then they got the shit stomp out of, out of them because it's like, how are you going to come back from that? You right. talk all the shit, then you lost in the ninth inning. Yeah, and then you have to come back. I mean, it'd be like... Yeah, it'd be like fighting your your stepbrother or whatever. Well, yeah, and you're gonna lose. Yeah, yeah. And then he, you know, he kicks the shit out of you, and then you have to go to his, you know, baptism or whatever the next day. This is a true story on your part. It sounds is. really personal. Yeah. I got, I got. There's a lot of details in here that I feel like you, you almost <laughs> yeah, are recalling yeah. memory more than you're making stuff up right no, now. No, but I mean, that's it, that's kind of the thing, or like, you know, when. It's like Thanksgiving or something like that, and you, you go to your. You're doing your, it again. Yeah, I'm doing it. Again. <laughs> I, I just like unwinding. Yeah. Um, this is therapy for me, guys. Yeah. We're, we're into that part of the podcast. You, you know, it's, you go to Thanksgiving at, at your your girlfriend or your significant other's house, and and then you guys get into a big you know blowout fight, and you know then her dad you know, you know yells shit at you and you know, <laughs> whoops your ass, and then you know all of a sudden the next night you know you you have to watch football with them all day and like, I mean that's tough that's tough to come back from and I feel like that's what it kind sounds of like it's tough I can't relate to, to any of that though. so yeah. and, um, and honestly I can't either yeah <laughs> well, I hope not but I mean Creighton scored in the first six innings today they really buried I mean Evansville did score six in the uh, put six on the board in the seventh and eighth but um, that seemed like just garbage points at that point if you were to if we were to use that term um 
But great, you know, another good performance on the mound from a starter. I think that's important, too. I mean, Mitch Reagan, I don't know if he was the sharpest uh, that he could have been today. I think he, where does ball-to-strike ratio end up being? I felt like he threw a lot of balls today. Yeah. yeah 84 pitches, 48 strikes, so, yeah, that's not great. Yeah, I think um, they were saying that 50% is the staff from ball-to-strikes ratio. Yeah. So. But, I mean, he went five, gave up three hits. He walked three, but he struck out three. You know, he stayed... He avoided damage, essentially. He limited damage um, from being an issue. So that really is like, you know, I mean, Denson Hull is, um, you know, a couple outs away from getting through five. We obviously talked about Ryan Tappany. Um, and then Preston Church. So, like, I guess just going big picture, what Creighton, what we know Creighton has in Ryan Tappany in, a fr- in the Friday night. Um, and then you saw what Preston Church did against Nebraska on Tuesday. Or was it Wednesday? Was it Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday. Okay. So you saw what Preston Church did on, I guess, Nebraska on Wednesday, and then what Denson Hall did. And then, you know, I, even though it wasn't the sharpest outing today, uh, Mitch Ray can get through five only line, one run on three hits. I mean, the pitching stuff, I mean, there's some options there to start some games. Like, if you like this weekend rotation, you know, juggle a little bit, maybe get Preston and um, um, Church into it, and that might solidify it pretty well, don't you think? Yeah, I think I think the time for experiments is pretty much over with the pitching staff. Do you really? I th- I think we. I think we might still see Church in the weekend rotation, don't you? No, I think Church is going to be your your midweek guy. Really? I it's or you he's can, got a lot of experience though. He does at the um, D one level is really mainly too. True, um, but those are important games to win because okay. those are RPI boosters. Okay. So you, you want a strong guy out there because typically the opposing teams is not going to be that strong. Okay. Um, I just wonder once the league play starts if they're not tempted to prioritize. Well, that, it, it depends. Mean? It depends on because at that point your midweek games kind of don't mean much. Well, you're kind of right. Um, I mean, the midweek games are highly important for mid major. Yeah, Big East yeah. is a mid major no baseball qu- league. No question, baseball conference. So I mean, those midweek games were huge. I mean, getting wins over Nebraska and getting wins over Kansas and Kansas State. You know, I mean, those are those are big, not only just for, I mean, the RPI, but it's big for the confidence of we can we can play with the big boys and we can actually beat them. So you want to keep Church in that midweek spot? Though? I I, w- I would keep Church in the midweek spot because he's. I mean, he didn't start off very strong in the beginning of the season, but I mean that that game against Nebraska it just goes to show that. I mean, if you have a little bit of patience and you get a right matchup with him, I think he can be he can be dynamite. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it it all depends on, of course, what you see out of Denson Hall. I mean, as he progresses, you know, as he gets to a, a seventy to eighty to ninety, he's going to face better lineups than he faced yesterday for sure. Right, and so I w- you could almost you know switch Hull and Church around if okay. you needed to. Um, I think that's about all the experimenting you're going to be able to do with. with the pitching set at this point. Yeah, because you don't want two lefties in the weekend rotation, do you? Correct, right. Yeah. 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 I mean, in I don't think Ed ever has had two lefties in the weekend rotation yeah, in my recent memory. Right. Um, and you're not moving to happening on a Friday, which means someone or teams would be getting look at two lefties back-to-back, essentially, is what it would be. So Exactly. One so of them would be at the... One of them would probably not be as effective. So you need the, the king of annuals spot, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, so it's either it's either gonna be church or, or a hole on your side. You already know that church is the new king of anvils, though. It's true. I You've did. done that already. I did before Denson made his start, though. Do you want to take it back now or no? Because is it up in the air at least. Are they battling for it? No, is there like I, a I war for the king of the anvils. I think like that's, the sequel? that's church's to have. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're he's he's, he's staying stand with it then. Yeah, well, I mean, because he beat Nebraska, is that why? That's pretty big, right? It's pretty big, but also the fact that I can call him the Holy King of Van Hills, you know, to separate himself, okay, um, from from Albrecht. Yeah, I mean, because that's that's essentially Albrecht's role was was last year was be that Saturday lefty. Yeah, and so, although Church isn't that Saturday lefty anymore, because I, I mean, if I'm if I'm running the team, I I put him out on. You know what you could do though, and this might sound really corny, and probably never talk to me again, but. Since his name is Denson Holly, you call it the Holy King of Angels. That thought crossed so, my I mind. Mean, it's not like it's not that much of a stretch. It's still there. You got to reword a few things, switch a letter around. It's a, it's there. You got to put it together. Um, no, that's pretty funny. But uh, yeah, no, I just think like having, uh, you know, the overall point is that these questions are starting to find some answers. I guess they're starting to run into some answers on the mound. 
um, to questions that we, you know, even through what they had won before this week, uh, eight of ten or whatever, or seven of nine um, before the Nebraska game, there were still some questions on the mound. Like, there, I don't think the performances were all that outside of tapping and weren't all that consistent. So. Right. Yeah. And I just, so I think if that starts, if that starts to, starts to come together as the, you know, as the weather gets warmer and the baseball months start to come around here, like for the offense to have the day it had and kind of get back off, you know, get back into the mojo that they had earlier in the season, um, and then all of a sudden have a pitching staff to work with. I mean, Creighton enjoyed a 10-to-1 lead at one point today, so, like, that's, that's you know, as close to putting all phases together as they've been in a while. And I know they didn't end all that great, but, you know, they still were able to finish out the win. But, like, that's – maybe this team is capable of a little bit more – um, despite being 16-6, and six, you know, there's still a little bit more that they haven't really extracted from their potential yet, which is kind of interesting to, to say at this point, considering how good their win-loss record has been. Yeah, and, I mean, because next weekend they start conference play yep. against Butler. Which means the RPI is going to crater. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As it does every year. Right. <laughs> um, Everybody's wondering when the RPI drops out of the, when the bottom drops out of that RPI number looks so good right now. Yeah. It's but, coming. But, you know, and so Butler, they look like an interesting case solely from a number standpoint from where the record was. Yeah, win-loss. No, but they're probably confident. Uh, they got the shit kicked out of them by Indiana this weekend. As they should have. Yes. and so that's a real baseball team. Well, right. And so when Which they hadn't played any of yet. When, when you see, and I always love looking at Butler's schedule because they, they play like Marion. <laughs> and they they, they last, found two division, non-division ones this year, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. And so on Wednesday they played Anderson. Yep, and I don't know who Anderson is. I never. I, but the fact that they're only playing—it's like a guy, guy, right? Yeah, is it's it just one, one person? guy. Yeah, yeah. that's his name's that's, Anderson. That's an uphill battle for one guy to win a baseball game by himself. I think so. his first name's Andy. Yeah, he could have been filled with all kinds of steroids. I think I still would root for the team that has nine players. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, and so to see them get the shit kicked out of them by Indiana. I think that's going to regress them to the true talent. Yeah, there's talent level. There's some course correction coming for Butler. Oh my god! And so it's going to be interesting to see. But they were pretty good last year. Like in their defense, they, they were really, decent. yeah, they really had, they really like improved a lot from the, the year before. Well, so I they, think they've got some players. <laughs> that's because they got a bona fide actual, actual coach. Head coach. <laughs> yeah, and what's it, Dean Schrag? Yeah. That's how you pronounce it, Schrag. Yeah. Whatever. But he's you know he coached South Dakota State for like a bajillion years and mm-hmm. finally made the move over to Butler. And so I mean that's I mean that's neat you know good for them they actually found someone that can you know manage a baseball game right develop a baseball player <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. um, historically they've been one of the most atrocious baseball teams we've had to watch since yes. getting moved to the Big East I mean yeah they just don't do the fundamentals their it's not defense it's not, is awful they're yeah. pitching back into pitching their starters they had they had one decent starter right um, and one decent hitter too I think that Tyler Houston kid has been yeah. Just, but uh, watching them take infield before series or before games, Brutal. yeah, like you ground screw guys were actually in a lot of bit of danger during those situations because they would overthrow a lot of guys that are just like casually standing there and almost kill some of you. Yeah, and that was I was worried uh, for your health when Butler came to town. Thank you, we appreciate that. Yeah. But that's honestly with everyone. I like please don't team. stand there because that's they're yeah. gonna throw like six of those balls right in your face. Yeah, yeah. that's usually when I go over to the dugout and I. I hide. hide. Yep. Yep. Go in front of the, the duck behind the fence real quick. In front of the Gatorade jug, and I'm right. just like with my cup, like, <laughs> hands please, shaking, like please yeah, don't get one near me. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, you're not even safe there. So yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, their their record looks nice. The so record I mean, looks nice, but clearly, and it's and so what I was thinking is, I mean, it's going to be interesting to compare Butler to Evansville. Okay, because that's that's kind of where I think that Butler is, is they're kind of in that, you know, mid to lower tier of where the Valley is. You know, because I think the Valley is still one of the more premier college baseball conferences. They lost, losing Wichita State. But, I mean, Dallas Baptist has been a perennial winner. They've hosted a super regional. Yeah, Missouri State's really good. Missouri State, year in, year out, is pretty good. Bradley is pretty decent. I think the rest of the league is trash, though. Well, Bradley, they're okay. They're okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, I kind of missed the Valley because there was, that was decent baseball. That was fundamental baseball, yeah. at least. That's probably the one thing, the one, I never get sidetracked here, the one thing that I missed the most about Creighton's move to the Big East 
was Valley Baseball. That just felt like that was going to be the one. Like, no, I don't replace that. Yeah. Everything, everything, <laughs> everything else felt like a move that was going to be better for Creighton and more exciting matchup wise as far as the games we get to cover. But Valley Baseball was the one. Like, oh, can we still have that? That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. That would be nice if we could still have that instead. Be members only and yeah, something yeah. like that. Like, just what if Creighton just stays in the Valley for baseball? Yeah. So. So I mean, that's so, and that really that's only in relation to the Big East, which we think is we've we've had some fun at its expense over the years. And I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't expect it to be. I don't expect it to change much this year, even though it has gotten better um, in terms of its metrics, but. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. So, I mean, with that Butler series, I think that's when we're going to get the best idea of if this team is actually decent. Because if, if Creighton they or Creighton, because okay. if if they don't win the series, that's a bad bad sign. Yeah, that's a huge red flag, and yes. that might mean that some of these games have been fluky. Because they're going to play St. John's and Xavier on the road this year, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, both are on the road. So, those are those are tough matchups. Yes. And if. If they can, if they can manage to at least sweep the bottom three of the conference, yeah, that's important. That's huge. Yeah, and then you can split, or you can, you know, God forbid, get fucking swept. Or you just take your chances by, with by the, Xavier the top half in the league. Like, yeah, because I mean, Creighton's been pretty good in league play this, and you know, historically, right? Um, I don't think they finished. Have they finished out of the top two ever? Um, no, they haven't. And they've won it twice. Right. Including last year when they were really bad in non-conference and um, still won the league. Yeah. yeah. So, like, Creighton's been top two every single year pretty much. So, I mean, they can, you know, they can mix it up with the, with the Xavier's and St. John's, even though those teams have technically had their numbers when postseason play comes around um, of late. Uh, but, yeah, that Butler series seems like a tipping point into whether Creighton is for real or not. Yep. And I mean, I guess, like, I'm trying to think. Someone dropped a series last year that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Maybe Xavier or Georgetown? I think someone lost a series that they shouldn't have lost last year and still ended up contending for a spot in the Big East tournament and getting one. Um, so, I mean, it's not like season over if Creighton lays an egg against Butler, but it's just, it's just the fact of the matter that it's like Butler seems like a team that has built its current success on lesser competition. Exactly. And they're not necessarily for real as a baseball team. So you'd like to see Creighton come out strong and make a good early statement in Big East, Big East play to get that thing going pretty good. Right. <coughs> Which is who they'll face next weekend. Um, they'll have one... They'll have two midweek games. They'll mm-hmm. go to Lawrence um, on Tuesday, and then they will host Kansas State here oh, on Wednesday. Nice. So that's the tentative schedule, weather permitting, obviously. Um... At service, going for win number 500 at Creighton. Um, whenever he gets his next win, that'll be 5 0. He's at 499? He's at 499 right now. Wow. So he might get it in Lawrence, Kansas, which will be, I guess, kind of underwhelming. So. <laughs> oh, shit. There's one place you probably don't want to be when you're celebrating a milestone. Maybe that's it. But, yeah, but Creighton Athletics, they win in Lawrence, so. They do win in Lawrence, this is true. It's kind of like, kind of, you should probably rename that town, I guess. They would do that okay? Like, name it Creighton, Kansas? Yeah, I think that'd be fine. Yeah, I think so, too. We should probably call their AD. Well, I mean... Or I'm, the governor. Well, we should call the governor, because he's already pulled all the money out of, you know, public education. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, you know, we can just put it on the ballot, and people will be dumb enough, because they ain't been getting school too good. <laughs> they getting school too good. And they'll vote for it, <laughs> you know. So if there's anyone from Kansas that's listening to this, we don't I'm, I'm shocked... Yeah, shocked you were right? able to find a podcast yeah. and you were able to press play. Thank you. Like, congratulations. He's not sorry, but thanks for listening. Yeah, no, thank you. But honestly, highly impressed you were able to find a podcast. Seriously. Yeah, that's legit. Um, but yeah, that's our, this will be our first baseball podcast. Um, we'll have more coming up through the season. I think, what's their home schedule look like, I guess? We can map this out a little bit. Do you have a media guy? If you guys have any questions for us or... If you got questions for the players or whatever you want, you want to get asked, you know, let us know, and uh, you know we'll do our best to to give you all the coverage that you need with baseball, and um, hopefully that's that's a lot. Yeah, we got Butler, Georgetown, Seton Hall, uh, one more Nebraska game, one UNO game, Kansas State, California to end the season. So there's is that UNO game still a kids game? 
Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That'll be a very grumpy podcast. We promise that <laughs> one. But kids day at the ballpark is an absolute nightmare. Um, so yeah, there'll be some opportunities here for us to give you a few podcasts for baseball. Um, we know people like the basketball ones, uh, and we appreciate you guys listening to those. So um, let us know what you think of this one. Um, and yeah, certainly if you have any questions uh, about games or you know throughout the weekend for a series or how things are going, um, just shoot them our way, and we'll be happy to tackle those topics on you know future podcasts as we keep going along the rest of the season. So um, until then, thanks for tuning in. Um, we will talk to you again, probably maybe after Kansas State on Wednesday night, depending on you know timing and how that goes. But uh, if not, certainly after Creighton includes its weekend series with Butler. Um, this upcoming Sunday. So until then, thanks a lot, everybody. Have a good week.